Jones steps up. Ricketts is at the high point. Jones. Aromaterio has a lane. Nicholas Aromaterio, the shot. Scores! Holy jumping! The Italian stallion puts the puck in the back of the net. Mamma mia, Nicholas Aromaterio! Callum Jones for Potts. At the blue line, kept in by the skate of Thomas Maya. Maya. Down low on the half course, he swings out of the slot for Potts. Kyle Potts has it. Hangs on. Now he shoots. Scores! Holy jumping! How do you do? Kyle Potts puts the puck in the back of the net. Blocked that shot. And coming the other way is Alton McDermott. He's in on the breakaway. Scores! Holy jumping! His grandfather, Paul Henderson, must be ecstatic about that one because Alton McDermott just scored his first career Buckland Cup final playoff goal has been closed. The Dukes are in the Oakville zone. Zone Elvis swung that around. The Blades are trying to tie this puck up. It goes into the corner. The Blades have a chance to get this out. Elvis will tie it up. Ten seconds. Gilmore has it at the point. It's in. Tips just wide. Seven seconds. It's back in the corner. Ewing's blocking. Three, two, one. The Oakville Blades. Oh! You're watching Mamma Mia! This is Fire Talk with Nicholas Fiore. Welcome everybody to episode number 31 of Mamma Mia! This is Fire Talk. I'm Nicholas Fiore, the Oakville Blades play-by-play broadcaster of the OJHL. And joining me on this special edition of the show in the first one of February is Carlo Koliakovo, former NHL player, co-host of First Up on TSN 1050 and TSN hockey analyst. Carlo, thanks for uh, coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Nicholas. Uh, I love the name of the of, of the show, Mamma Mia. It's uh, hey. one of my favorite things to say as an Italian. <laughs> That's it. You you know you know you know the drill. Ma- Mamma Mia is 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 the uh, is the saying, but it's not just that. It's my it's my uh, my goal, my catchphrase. I changed Love from it. holy jump, and I, I, I was, I was stealing Darren Pang's uh, goal, goal call there. So I had to, I had to switch over to my own. <laughs> I had to make myself I, one. You don't have to, you don't have to tell me about catchphrases. I stole Pang, so it's all good. There you go. Exactly, exactly. But uh, seriously, I know you're busy. I know it's, you know, it's COVID. I know you're, you're at home doing the show. Family's at home as well. So I do appreciate you coming on. Uh, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited yes, to, to have a chat with. Absolutely. It's always, it's always good to chat hockey. Right. But uh, first of all, how are you during the, this pandemic, which seems like it's never ending and how's the family all at home? Uh, I'm good. Family's good. I mean, obviously it's had its challenges uh, having two young kids at home every day at all times of the day um, has had its challenges in the sense that, you know, I'm grateful that I still get to do my, my radio gig here in my basement. As you can see, I set up a nice little studio here and uh, probably spending more time with my family than I normally would uh, during a busy schedule. So that's one thing that I've really, um, you know, taken advantage of and, and appreciated a lot. And uh, But the tough part is, you know, having kids at, at home doing schooling and stuff like that. And uh, thankfully, my wife, she's got a teaching background and she's been able to help guide my kids in that uh, in that aspect that I've just been here helping out. And it's 
it's had its days, it's had its struggles, but for the most part, I'm happy we're safe. I'm happy we're healthy. And I'm really looking forward to the day where we can go out and start hugging people and start hanging with people. And I mean, more importantly, you know, within your own family, because I know that's, that's uh, something that I take a lot of pride in. I'm a, I'm a guy who loves being around family, hanging around family, and haven't got a chance to do much of that over the last year. And especially over the holidays, one thing that I really relished that I really missed. So, um, uh, you know, on the bright side, uh, there is sports that is back and that has provided a lot of conversation and a lot of excitement in a lot of our lives, especially myself that uh, cover sports for a living. So I'm thankful and grateful for that. And just I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl this weekend and then, uh, you know, hockey getting into the meat of the season. So it's uh, it's it's something uh, that's going to be a lot of fun moving forward here. Absolutely. Um, you know, it is what it is, right? It's one of those things where it's tough and you got to try to get through everyone together. So hopefully sooner or later, I know I haven't been in a rink in almost a year now. So sooner or later, hopefully uh, we can all, we can all get back out there. Um, well, good thing the groundhog saw his shadow yesterday because it means that winter is uh, <laughs> shortly coming to an end. We can all hit the golf courses. So that's there you go. Exactly. Exactly. I'm excited for that. Um, listen, uh, you, you always talk about, you know, on the radio, some, uh, teams and players uh but what my show is kind of about is is getting yourself and like former NHLers current players uh, different sports and and talk about them you know so I want to want to talk about you a little bit and the start of your NHL career and then we're going to get into the radio side and everything like that um sure. drafted in 01 uh round seven 17th overall and it was by the hometown team right it was by the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. um how, how did that really, I mean, not really come to fruition because, I mean, it's a draft, but did you have a feeling that you were going to be drafted by the Leafs? And, and how excited were you? Because it's like, it's not like you got drafted somewhere else. You you basically got to, you know, play to stay home for the first little bit, even though you went from uh, the, the minor system back up to the Leafs, but you were still yeah. home. Uh, to be honest, it's nothing I ever expected on that day. I know uh, playing with a guy like Brad Boys and Erie, uh, who got drafted as their first round pick the year before. Um, I got to share a lot of the excitement and a lot of the experience of, of his own uh, that he shared with me. So um, going into it, I went into it with an open mind, um, knowing that I knew I was probably going to be a first round pick. I had an idea of where in the draft I was going to go somewhere between 10 and 20. And I just, you know, you, you tried to narrow in on teams that you had the most conversations with and, the teams that I met with the most were all in that area, except for the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs, I only met with them once, and it was very brief. And they kind of explained to me their draft strategy going in, knowing that they they normally draft the best player that's available when there's their time when it's their time to pick. And um, you know, it was in it was an unbelievable experience for me uh, doing it in Florida, having thirty of my family and friends. Uh, sharing that moment with me, having my twin brother uh, alongside me, who, you know, again, came up the same uh, hockey path as me, not as, uh, you know, done, didn't play in the competitive uh, levels that I did, but, you know, growing up together, playing the game, he played in the OHL. He's a really good goalie in the OHL. And, you know, we all hoped that uh, he was going to get a chance to experience that moment as well. And obviously he didn't, but he was there to help um, create an even bigger memory for me. Um, you know, when, when you're at the draft, you're, you have an assigned seat based on where you're ranked or where you're projected to go. So, uh, for TV purposes. So I was sitting in my seat and 
you, you start educating yourself on the process, the way it plays out. And normally, you know, you, you, the first couple of picks, you're just, you're listening to hear who goes and, you know, the, 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 the ovation that comes with it. But as it starts to go along, you start to understand that on the floor, there's cameras that, that go and spot the next guy up so that cam TV can be ready for when that name gets called. And so the funny story was that, um, Phoenix was a team I thought I was going to go to because I met with them the most and they picked that 13, which is where I was ranked. I was ranked 13th. And so I, I don't know if it seemed fitting, but they made a, they made a small little trade at pick 11. They moved up with Calgary, exchanged spots at Calgary. And you can see the camera guys coming on the floor and they came into my section and they pointed up to which it, to, you know, what looked like it was me. And so they make their announcement. And it's the guy sitting right in front of me. It's, it's uh, Freddie Schustrom. So after that, me and my brother put two and two together and basically said, the next time the camera comes over here and it points up to somewhere near you, you know, it's, it's going to be you. Yeah. So as the picks continue to go along, 17 comes around and the Maple Leafs step up to the board. And, you know, every one of my family members is you know, anxious and excited to see who they pick. Next thing you know, the camera guys are running from the opposite side of the of the rink onto the floor and they stop right in front of my section. And immediately as they stop, they pointed right at me. And that's when, you know, you start to get that feeling inside you where you're nervous, you're anxious, you're jittery. And the worst part about it was I had my twin brother, Paulo, beside me seeing the same thing and when he saw that he started going even more nuts saying oh my god it's gonna be you they're gonna pick you i can't believe this and all i kept saying to him is shut up man let it happen leave me alone i can't believe what's happening and so they get up the toronto announces or toronto selects from erie otters carlo koliakobo and it's just surreal like you know the fact that my name was called i get up and a big old ovation in in the, in the section that I'm sitting in because every one of my family members was was Leaf fans and they could not believe what just happened. I just got drafted to the Maple Leafs and go down, put my jersey on, you know, show my jersey to the section that my family's sitting in, watching the videos afterwards of my dad crying, you know, as I'm as I'm living through that moment. All all special memories that will never be forgotten and. It was a day like that that provided it, and uh, you know it was the it was the hard work that I put in throughout the year in my time in Erie, uh, knowing that when I got drafted from the Leafs, I knew from that minute forward, my life had changed forever because I went from a kid that just loved playing hockey in Toronto to a celebrity overnight in the city. Uh, because the draft was in Florida, we decided to make a vacation out of it afterwards, and I remember coming home to a voicemail just flooded full of messages. Um, you know, people calling the house nonstop and everywhere you look and everywhere you listen to, it's my name on the TV, my name in the paper. And it's just like, holy cow, what just happened? But uh, I tell you what, I wouldn't exchange that for any other moment in my, in my life, because it's what, what's what has allowed me to be in the position that I am today, where I'm in the city um, as a Maple Leaf alumni, you know, talking Maple Leaf sports and Toronto sports, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, it sure it sure is something special. That 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 is uh, that is for sure. Um, let me tell you, you know, happy belated birthday, by the way. Thirty. Thank you. Thirty-eight. Thank you. Uh, Thirty-eight years old. Uh, That's just a number, man. Age it's just, just a, number. A, a credit to credit to elite elite prospects for the uh, for, 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 <laughs> for the date of birth there. But um, I, I my point in getting to that is, you know, thirty-eight. It is just a number. Look at yeah. Joe Thornton. Look at Jason Spezza. 
playing yeah. for the Leafs at this age. I mean, Yarmir Yager is still playing overseas, right? How oh, crazy man. is it to see? Let's just get a little bit more personal, I guess. Fellow Canadians, uh, fellow, you know, former, you know, currently, first of all, formerly for now in Thornton and Spets still going strong. And, and you know, you're, you're sitting here 38. You're like, man, could I have possibly done this? But, you know, how, how crazy is it to see it? God bless those guys. God bless anybody that plays this late into their thirties and into their forties. Um, it's a real credit to them considering how much the game has changed. Uh, there's a real focus and, and, and pressure every year uh, to be in great shape, to take care of yourself. And sometimes that can be a challenge. You know, we've got to take care of a young family and move from city to city. Um, I always said to myself, I love the game of hockey. It's all I knew. It's all I wanted to do and all I wanted to continue to do. And my career is over. Um, and I always said I would play as long as my body allows me to, and not to say I quit because my body wouldn't let me, um, you know, I just, I went through a different path in those days. I mean, in the last eight years of my career, which included two years in Europe, I played in seven different cities in eight years. And it just, it became, you know, it became a daunting task every year to just prepare yourself for a new move. And I've got a young family and, uh, I'm glad I got the chance to at least finish my hockey career on my own terms in Europe, the place I always wanted to go finish my career in because I got a chance to play in the Spangler Cup in 2013. And it really gave me uh, an amazing appreciation for what the lifestyle and what the hockey is over there. And I always said to myself, with that experience, I would always love to know what it was like living that experience throughout a full season. I'm so glad I got to do that for two years in Mannheim, which is one of the greatest places to play in Europe in Germany. So um, and I still wanted to play after my second season. Um, you know, I had aspirations to keep myself in shape and to go and play another season. But, you know, you come home and you pack 15 bags with two young kids and you know, it starts, the reality check starts to set in saying that, you know what, maybe it's time, you know, that you find a place to settle, just not only to find stability in a job, but to create longe longevity for your family and be stable around family. So, um, you know, the, the, this, the, the decision was made because I had great opportunities ahead of me uh, at TSN and in other areas. I always thought I wanted to be a coach. I still want to be a coach, think I can be a coach. But, you know, I, the opportunity that was provided with me at TSN was too good to pass up at the time. And in life, sometimes you got to just, you know, take the advantage of the opportunities that are given to you, and even if it means sacrificing things that you love doing. So. Um, it was a decision I made and a decision that I'm quite happy with and thankful that I did because, um, you know, it's putting me in a role right now that it's allowing me to create a, a different image of myself and be really successful at. So, um, I've always been a big believer throughout my career that, uh, I was a guy that respect, respected every situation that I was in, every person that I played with and for, and a guy that believed that you should never burn any bridges, no matter where you are. Always, always show respect if you want respect. And because you never know in life when those contacts and those relationships can help you in other decisions that you need to make. And in particular, this one here where, um, you know, I feel like I found a, a nice little niche for myself uh, for, for a long time, as, at least as long as I want to. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I was, I'm, I brought it the same way, you know, give respect because you never know what can, what can, what can happen right in the future and the connections. Um, yeah. Let's get, let's get to some stats here. Obviously, you know, you're with the Erie Otters, 209 games uh, in the regular season there over four years, uh, 136 points. And then, you know, you had some, you had some international experience, right? Yeah. Team Canada at the world juniors, two world juniors, 
unfortunately, but fortunate, two silver medals. Um, yeah. but with, with, see how I, I worded that there. But uh, the Spengler Cup, obviously. Uh, there it is. Where is it? There it is. Oh, no, no. I'm just I'm preparing oh. something else, but oh. go ahead. 2012-2013, uh, right? Team Canada Spengler Cup. Um, got that championship uh, two points in that tournament in four games. Uh, and then, obviously, the Leafs and the Bruins over 14 years uh you know and then and then going to germany as well let's touch upon uh the the world junior and and, and canada experience and you can chime in uh which whatever you got what, what goodie you got over there on that <laughs> but um how is it though you know it's it's kind of i guess an easy cliche question but i feel like it almost has to be answered because every single person has a different experience how uh, is it representing your country putting the canada chest uh, crest on the chest and and yeah. is it really like almost anything else maybe other than winning a cup that some people have experience in doing but is is it just really that overall feeling that I'm actually playing for the country now and the country of Canada sure love their hockey so you know I got to really yeah. you know, put well, on it's it's, it's the greatest it, it's the greatest pride accomplishment that any athlete could ever ask for I mean you talk about the things that you do within your sport that allows you to be competitive every year. You play for a team, you play for an organization and you try to bring, you know, what you have to, to each situation and each success story. But the minute you put on uh, a logo or a Jersey or a hat that, that uh, symbolizes you representing your country, um, everything changes. And for me, having that opportunity uh, four times in my career, which included two teams, two times, or sorry, one time representing my, my province, Team Ontario, which was a world international tournament as well, too. The under-17 uh, challenge, correct? Yes, the under-17 challenge. Um, you know, doing it twice at the World Juniors, once at the Spangler Cup, and even once uh, later on in my career at the World Championships. I think anybody who ever passes up an opportunity to play for their country, um, you know, it's it's it becomes really questionable. You, you kind of start to wonder why, um, you know, there's so many guys that would love to do it that never get the chance to. I know for me, it was never second guessing. It was always something that I wanted to do and wish I would have done a lot more uh, because it's just the, 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 the stakes are, are, the stakes rise. Anytime you, 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 you step in those environments where you're, it's country on country's best. And for Canada, the, you grew up knowing how much pride it, it took to play and, you know, on a team that, that you would represent Canada in. And you see it in the Olympics. You see it in all these other international stages, um, you know, how much it, 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 it symbolizes uh, unity. It symbolizes pride and it symbolizes, you know, um, your own individual success. And really, you, you know, in those environments, you're combining players from all across the world uh, to play in, in one team event. So it really shows a lot about your own self uh, you know, being recognized as one of those guys that's not only, you know, great in the, in the, uh, on the team that you're playing on, but recognized as, as, as a great player uh, in your whole country. And I know playing in the world juniors, as you can see, I've got my world junior Jersey behind here um, created so many memories for me. And in particular, when I got a chance to do it in Canada at Halif in Halifax, where you had the whole world behind you and everywhere you went, people were looking at, at you as a, as an idol, as as a role model. And that's, that's something that I took a lot of pride in, you know, and I, I mentioned pride a lot in our conversation so far, because 
as an athlete, that's what you strive for, right? Uh, you know, the things that you would do growing up with the people you idolize, you tried to replicate that in your own way. And uh, there was no better atmosphere that I played in than, you know, representing my country on home ice, especially in that gold medal game when we played Russia. Everybody knows the rivalry there. Unfortunately for me, like you said, twice I had the opportunity in back-to-back -back years, lost to Russia both times. I mean, I'll be the first to admit I would trade those two gold medals in or two silver medals in for a gold any day uh, just because of how much more it represents. I mean, you know, you look at how great the Canadian World Junior team was this year and if they won the gold, how, how much how great they would be recognized um, in Team Canada team histories. Well, it's amazing how that conversation gets flushed now because they win a silver, right? You don't really finish the job. So um, it goes by fast. Uh, you know, again, those tournaments help set the table for my NHL career because I was able to perform on a big stage against the best in the world. And uh, that's all you can ask for when you're participating in those tournaments is that you do the best that you do representing in the best way that you can knowing that hope, hoping that another opportunity will come down the road. And I know my last year in Europe, which was in 2018 where the Olympics were in, um, in, uh, Oh man, where were the Olympics? Uh, Russia. In Russia. Yes. And you know, one of the reasons why I continued to play that, that year in Europe was because not NHL players were not going to be allowed to go. And unfortunately for me, I suffered a really serious injury to my knee uh, a month before they were about to announce the team. And I was a strong candidate to make that team again. And, you know, what, what a way to go out if I had a chance to represent my country at, at an Olympic level. Uh, that would have been pretty amazing, too, and at least another shot at redemption for myself. But it didn't happen. And I have no regrets for it. Uh, obviously, if anything, I've got a lot more memories than regrets. And it's a little bittersweet every time the World Junior Tournament comes around January because I reminisce of the memories that I made, but I also be reminded of the two silver medals that I won, and you kind of wish that you had that chance to redeem it. But it is what it is. And you touched about my junior career where everything started in Erie. Um, one of the things that I get to really look back at and, and share and, and have with me is my uh, OHL championship ring OHL that I won with the Erie Otters. I mean, this is why you play the game. You play to win championships and you play to collect uh, certain memorabilia like this. And I, I played on some really good teams in the NHL, um, never really got close, which goes to show you that 14 years playing, um, you can play a long time, but uh, it's tough to win. And uh, that's why, it, it really it really makes you appreciate at that time of year when guys really lay everything on the line because you just never know when you're going to get that opportunity again. And that's why we play the game. That's why we love the game. That's right. Oh, one, oh, two. I was going to get to an OHL champion with the uh, <laughs> with the Erie Otters and then, you know, a Spengler Cup championship as well. Hey, two championships, Carl. Let me tell you something. A lot of people wish they could even play the game. Right. So to have yeah, no, you're right. You're no, right. It, it's, it, it's something that I'm sure you don't obviously you don't take. Uh, you certainly don't take for granted, um, that's for sure. Listen, you've played, like you said, 14 years in the NHL. The Toronto Maple Leafs, as you can see behind me, the St. Louis Blues, um, the Red Wings, Detroit Red Wings, Philadelphia Flyers, Buffalo Sabres, um, 470 games in, in the NHL. Where where would you say, because, uh, you know, you got traded as well one time in your in your career. Let, let We'll get to that. But, you know, getting into the league, right, not everyone could be – you know, a Matthews and a Marner and a McDavid and consistent guys uh, in the NHL. But, you know, and there's, I saw, I spoke to a former league, Mike Zygamanis, and he was like, yeah, it's a, 
sometimes it, it's a struggle, you know, to go up and down from AHL to NHL and you just have to work your tail off even a little yeah. extra harder than maybe a top six forward and a top pairing defenseman. How hard was it for you at the beginning of the, of your career to, you know, get sent, sent down to the St. John's then back up to the Leafs and so on and so forth. I think the greatest thing uh, someone has ever said to me about the NHL is that, you know, given sometimes the position that you enter and for me being a first round pick, I was going to get more opportunities probably than others is the easiest part is getting there. The hardest part is staying there. And that resonated for with me my whole career because you really learn to appreciate not to take any day for granted uh, just because you, you want to eliminate the ups, ups and downs and you want to solidify yourself as, as an everyday NHL player. And I think for me, the, the, one of my strongest attributes was I was always a good listener. I was always a good uh, student of the game and not just to, to help my own game, but to be aware of my surroundings where, you know, I knew almost every situation that I walked into uh, the boundaries that I had, things that, you know, I would, I, I would trust myself doing and the things that I would have to earn my trust in, in doing. And, you know, walking into a locker room like the Maple Leafs where my first time at 19 years old when I made the team out of training camp, the next oldest guy was 28 years old. And it's amazing how much the game has changed now. Now as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, you walk into a dressing room, you're given a lot more um, opportunity than you were back in the day when I started and you kind of had to earn your way. And for me, it was, um, you know, respecting the environment that I was in, um, respecting the, the veterans that I was playing with and just trying to do the things every day to make myself better. And again, back in the day, we didn't have access to some of the things that the players do now. Uh, fitness wasn't a big uh, priority or a big push. Uh, back in the day to stay in the gym, but I knew that every day I had to work hard in practice, be the best player in practice, show the coach that I was getting better and, and willing to learn and willing to listen and just wait for my opportunity. And in the beginning, it involved some up and down, um, you know, going from the, the Leafs to the, to the St. John's Maple Leafs and then to the Marlies and stuff like that uh, until you really get your chance uh, with the opportunity that you're given. And when you get that opportunity, it's up to me or it's up to the person to really take a hold of it, take a grasp of it and run away with it. And if you don't, there's always somebody, you know, that's that's behind you willing to willing to wait for that opportunity for their chance. So a lot of it was, again, being aware of your surroundings and understanding what's what's expected from you and knowing that, you know, the minute you take for granted there's always somebody that's willing to come and take your job and um you learn to you learn to appreciate that a lot more in the middle and latter parts of your career where you know you were given your chance in the beginning but like i said because there's every year there's new guys coming in there's more that you have to do uh on an everyday basis to make sure you stick around and with with years that pass by, you gain experience, you 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 mature a lot more. And I I found that the more years that I played and the older that I got, the easier the game became for me because being a great student of the game, which is I what I take a lot of pride in, I would just allow I would trust my abilities knowing on the things that I've learned in the past with having those game experience, but even just playing with the older guys that help slow the game down for you because in the beginning 
when you're young, it comes at you so fast that you're just trying to process maybe too many things. And sometimes it becomes too much for guys to handle. So that's where I sort of, um, sort of uh, commend, you know, the 14 years that I played was that I knew every year, especially in the last four or five years where I was playing on one-year deals, that I had to go and earn my job next year. And I had to go and do the things that would keep me around in whatever role was asked of me, knowing that I, whatever role was asked of me, if it allowed me to stay in the NHL and, uh, you know, continue to play with great players, it was something I was willing to accept. And I think that's the difficulty that a lot of kids nowadays face is that, you know, they come through the junior ranks where they're basically being given every opportunity and then they get drafted and they don't know how to make that transition where, you know, you've got to start over and starting over may not be starting in the same position that you left in. And some guys find it, uh, you know, a struggle to make that transition, which is why, you know, adversity nowadays is mo probably the most important thing uh, to learn how to deal with, because I can tell you right now, and just, just as in life, but more importantly in sports, things are not always going to go your way. It's how you respond to them. And I was always uh, good at managing my emotions through that, where there was many days where I didn't like the way I was being played. I didn't like my position, but I knew when I went to the rink, it was my happy place. And I knew if I wanted to survive, there were things that I had to do, whether I disagreed with them or not to make sure that I stuck around. And, uh, that's why you have a great appreciation, great appreciation for guys like Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza, because those guys get it. You know, it may seem hard for them, but they've got to work twice as hard every day to keep up with the guys that are that are continuing to push them out of the game. Absolutely, and and you know you have to you have to work hard because you know you you, you became a full timer on November twenty fourth, two thousand and eight. You remember that day? I do. That was the day I got traded to the St. Louis Blues. Traded to the St. Louis Blues for Lee Stepniak and Alexander Steen. Uh, for uh, for yourself, of course, the St. Louis Blues. I guess a couple, a two and one here. Where were you? When did you find out you were you were traded? I guess were you, if you were allowed to say, were you a little bit excited for the new environment? And is it safe to say, were you most comfortable with the Blues out of all five NHL teams? Absolutely. Uh, St. Louis was the, the team that I had most of my career success in. Um, I loved my time in Toronto. I wish it would have gone a hell of a lot different than it did. I wish I would have had a chance to play on a good team and experience what playoff hockey would have been like um, in this city. Um, obviously, I didn't get a chance to do it. But as much as I um, wish things were, were different, I think a trade on that date was something that was very welcomed in my world because the team was going through a rebuilding phase. Um, there was a lot of things that had gone on in, in years prior where, you know, I'd suffered injuries and people were starting to doubt me and it was almost impossible to move away from the conversation that, or at least the label that people were putting on me, even though I always trusted my abilities, I just felt like I needed somewhere else to really, um, you know, foresee it. And, a trade to the Blues was something I didn't anticipate. Um, you know, a trade was something that I definitely thought would happen. But you know, when when you're when you're hearing those those rumors being talked about, you you sort of have different teams that uh, you're hearing yourself go to, or at least uh, thinking about. And St. Louis was a team that really came out of nowhere for me, but it couldn't have been the most perfect scenario for me to walk into. My best friend on the team, Brad Boys, was on that team our best friend in hockey uh, was on that team 
And he, you know, I, I, I being traded with Alexander Steen allowed me to share uh, the experience with another guy. So I wasn't doing it on my own and allowed me to be a lot more comfortable, a lot quicker. And I went to a team that, that acquired a need, somebody that needed a guy like myself to play in a certain role that I wasn't getting the opportunity to, to, to fulfill here in Toronto. So sometimes, you know, in life, they say grass isn't always greener on the other side. And it, it's true. Uh, you know, you, sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for, considering, you know, how things are going where you're at. But for me, moving to St. Louis, you know, right into a role where I was playing every night, playing a key role every night, playing on the top power play, playing in a position that I always envisioned myself being as the, as a member of the Maple Leafs, just not getting the chance to really excel in it. Uh, you go there and you start getting your confidence back and, you know, you start loving the game of hockey again. And I'm not saying that I didn't love it in Toronto. It's just, you know, it's, it was tough playing on a losing team and I go to St. Louis and then immediately there's a team there that's ready to take the next step of, learning how to win hockey games. We make the playoffs that year. I'm a big part of the, their, their best. And uh, um, you really start to, you know, find your role, not only on the team, but in the league. And you just continue to build off of that. And uh, following that up with another two or three years of, of consistent production, um, you know, kind of sets the table for the, for the rest of your career. And I played on some great teams in St. Louis uh, in a city that really, really loves hockey uh, really loved every bit of, of my experience with there. You know, helping a guy like Alex Petrangelo grow into one of the guy, best player, best defensemen in the league in today's game. Um, to this day, me and my family have always said that St. Louis is a place which is like a home away from home uh, that we can envision ourselves living. But, you know, there's too much to like about being here around family. But uh, when seeing them win the Stanley Cup 10 years after um, I had my chance to really uh, – you know, get my feet wet in that organization. It was a proud moment for me. I mean, I still have a lot of friends on that team, a lot of ex-teammates. And it's obviously my, one of my good friends and Alex Petrangelo, you know, seeing him hoist that Stanley Cup. Do I wish I was part of it? Absolutely. But it is what it is. Um, you play the game, you move on. But I can tell you what, we're in year two, 2021. It's still hard to believe that everything went by so fast. Because as much as you're living in the moment and you're enjoying every experience, it goes by fast, which is why you got to cherish it even more. So what you're telling me is I should have put a St. Louis Blues picture behind me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a jersey of the Blues and the Leafs behind me, so no hard feelings for each. But uh, listen, Toronto, like I said earlier, um, Toronto has provided me with a profile here in this city that uh, can, can never be taken for granted. Um, it's amazing that people still remember me for the, the times that I played here. And yeah, I had some good highlights when I played here with some big hits and some big goals. And uh, like I said, I, I've, I've gotten a chance from the outside now to watch them play playoff hockey. And I know that what this, what this city is all about and the buzz around it. And I wish I would have had a chance to experience that during my time here. But it didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I'm part of the Maple Leafs alumni now. I do a lot of community stuff, which is uh, something I'm very grateful for and something I look forward to continue to do a lot more of here uh, for the rest of my life. Hey, man, my, my dad and I watched yourself and, and you know, the Leafs growing up when I was growing up playing in, in those first years that you were playing. So, hey, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I would say, you know, if it's accurate, you know, not always about it's always about yourself and trying to go, you know, to the next level or play as best as you can. 
but I think it's all about, you know, the people and the connections and the players also that you play with along the way and all the connections you've made. I know you spoke about Matt Sundin very highly and so many other guys, how, mm. how, you know, I guess rewarding is it to see other players maybe even now, but you know, when you played with them or, or uh, when you moved on and former teammates have success individually or as a team. Well, Nicholas, that's the only reason why I continue to watch hockey, to be honest with you. Um, I, I don't cheer for a particular team. Obviously I still watch a lot of leaf games, a lot of St. Louis blues games. Um, and, you know, I played for the Sabres. I played for the Red Wings. I played for the Flyers. I mostly watch the games to see how my, you know, friends that are still playing and former teammates that are still playing uh, do because you still find ways to cheer them on. And obviously I just love watching the game of hockey, no matter what, um, you know, especially playoff hockey, I'll watch any team play because, you know, just having a chance to live that experience myself, it's the best time of year to play the sport. I mean, the intensity, the emotions, the adrenaline, you name it. Uh, there's no better feeling in sports than when you're, when, when you're playing, uh, you know, that in, in, on that competitive level. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a ton of guys that I still watch and cheer for, and I don't wish harm on anybody. If anything, you know, even when the Stanley cup finals, the two teams are set every year, I'm looking at the rosters on both teams and I'm saying, okay, who do I know in this team and who do I want to win? Well, last year in Tampa Bay, uh, one of my good friends, Luke Shen, uh, played on that team, former Maple Leaf. I remember his first NHL season as a rookie. Um, I kind of, you know, uh, took the responsibility of making him feel comfortable because I was the last rookie to be in his spot uh, to go through those uh, moments with him. So, and luckily for me, you know, we stayed friends through the whole time and we got to reconnect playing a full season together in Philadelphia. So I was cheering for him. I was cheering for Zach Bogosian because I played with him in my last year in the NHL in Buffalo. He was my, he was the guy that I sat beside in the dressing room and we had a lot of laughs with Kevin Chattenkirk, uh, one of my good buddies that uh, was one of my D partners in, in St. Louis when he first came to St. Louis. So every year there's those guys on, on the teams that, that are playing in those moments that you cheer for. But ultimately, um, you know, I think the game has changed so much. Um, it has become a, a lot younger league, a lot faster league, and a league that can make uh, guys very rich. And so, um, you know, something that, you know, I played in, I, I, it's, you know, when, when the salary cop first got introduced in the league, I was playing in the league and didn't get a chance to maximize on these opportunities of, of income that these guys can make. Uh, nowadays with playing the game of hockey so you just cheer for any of those good stories where I love the stories where guys come out of nowhere and persevere and have to go through Europe leagues minor leagues and then they find a way to be great success stories in the NHL I love those stories sort of like what we witnessed with Fred Van Vliet yesterday setting a Raptors record uh, uh, scoring the most points that's why you love sports right it's not always about the entitlement of it where you know you kind of see a guy and you give him every opportunity and he kind of, you know, flushes it down the, the, the drain because he doesn't respect the process. I love seeing those, those feel good stories where guys have to work and their hard work pays off. And, you know, that's sort of what I pay attention to. It's, it's crazy about, about Luke Shen because he was, he was a high draft pick for the, uh, for the Maple Leafs. And, and he didn't really, you know, he didn't really get that chance. He didn't get that opportunity. And, and for whatever reason, of course, there's so much behind the scenes in politics and sports in general. 
but he just didn't get that opportunity. And it's crazy. 2020, he wins a Stanley Cup with the Tampa. Yeah. It's like, it's like who would have thought I saw memes on social media? I saw this and that. And they're like, Luke Shen wins a Stanley Cup. Hey, <laughs> man, it happens when you just keep on grinding and keep on pushing. It's cliche, but it is. But it, no matter how it goes through. So that's, that's something. I'm glad you brought that up because that's crazy to see. But I yeah. think our Italian minds are, and radio minds are thinking alike. Because I, my next question was going to be, how has the game changed? How has the game changed over the years since you came in the league and you touched upon it with the speed and, you know, just a few other things. Yeah. 2002 in the NHL, of course. Um, mm. and, and, you know, went to Germany in 2016 for Alder, uh, Adler Mannheim. How has the game changed game changed other than the speed? Is it, is the staff better, the coaching better, the analytics, if you believe in that, which that's, that, that's a gray area in my opinion, but mm. what has the game, how has the game changed over the years? Um, obviously the biggest thing that stands out about the game is, uh, how much of a younger game that it is. I mean, back when I first came in the league, it was more of a, of a men's league, right. Where most players in their primes would be over the age of 30. Well, now most players in their prime are in their early twenties and you know, the, the financial, uh, um, award for a lot of these younger players. Um, I remember I had to play five years in the league before I actually got a two-year deal. Now these kids are playing one, two years and they're getting five, six, seven year deals. And I'm not a real, I'm not a real big fan of that. I, I don't like that. Um, just because, you know, what you want to see out of a young player, especially that has success early on in his career is for him to go out and stay motivated and continue to, 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 to be a better player, to uh, improve on those stats in those season. I just feel like there's too much of a sense of complacency in the NHL with some of these young players where they're just happy to be there. And that drives a lot of people crazy because there should be more of an appreciation as to why you're there, where, you know, people would trade places with those guys, you know, any day of the week, any day of their, of their lifetime. And, you know, I, I played in an era where you had to compete, you know, not only to get a job, but to, to keep your job. And I just feel like with the salary cap, it's, it's allowed too many players to and, and too many guys to disrespect the process because they know there's nothing that can be done to them based on their contract stature. So um, it is the way it is with the game. I think what I love about the game now is you're seeing a lot more skill. I mean, watching Connor McDavid on a nightly basis is such a treat uh, that I think more people should appreciate and, and take advantage of when they get the chance. Um, I think that uh, every year there's – there's incredible young talent um, that comes in and makes the league a lot better. Um, I do love seeing um, how fast the game is played because it provides a better sense of entertainment. But I think the other thing is where it's different is the luxuries that some of these guys have available to them. Um, you know, not just on the ice, but off the ice that I think they should be really um taking a lot more advantage of because back in the day, you know, you would show up to camping, get, get into shape and, you know, focus on just grinding through a season. Well, now, you know, there's, there's skill coaches, there's mental coaches, there's um, uh, what do you call it? There's uh, there's, there's, there's almost something for everything. There's nutritionists, there's uh, you know, and it, these are all tools and amenities that, 
are going to help maximize everything that you want to put into who you want to be. And I think that's something that um, is, is, is an amazing, um, you know, an amazing option for a lot of these guys, because, you know, if if you wanted to do anything extra back in the day, you had to do it on your own, uh, on your own bill, or if, if, you know, basically with your own time and effort, um, what I loved about being a professional athlete and being a hockey player was knowing that I always had access to go to one place anytime I wanted it. Um, you know, even in the off season, if I wanted to go train at the team facility, it was available for me. If I wanted to work with the team, the team nutritionist, it was available for me. If I wanted to get on a diet plan, they would get it for me. If I needed to get treated for an injury, it was available for me. Um, and I think that's, that's something that has made the sport so great too. Um, I would love to see them do more to market the game, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think there's enough done, especially with the star players in the game. I mean, you look at the star players in every other league, they're out promoting the game. They're out showcasing themselves in the public. That's what fans want to see, right? Fans, fans want that, um, you know, that up, up close and unfiltered. And I understand there's boundaries that, uh, you know, have to be met through this, but, you know, personality sells. That's, that's, that's what makes me uh, good at my job is not only am I talking about things that I know, but I'm, I'm sharing my personality with everything and people want to be entertained. And especially with the game of hockey, uh, I think there's, there, there's a lot more that people don't know about players that would probably help uh, excite them about certain players. And uh, it's still a moving target, but uh, for the most part, um, I'm happy that hockey's back. Um, I can't wait till the fans get back into the stands because that's one thing that I really miss. Um, you know, especially in those moments where big goals are scored, um, it always makes it better when the fans are sharing it with you in those moments and and creating those memories as well with you. Um, let me tell you something. It's great to have the first overall pick in Yahoo NHL Fantasy Draft. I'll tell you that because when I could draft <laughs> Connor McDavid for the first time in four years since the fantasy. Yeah, it, it gets me points. <laughs> oh, I know. I listen. I I do the TSN hockey uh, draft, and for two years in a actually, I had to draft that first overall pick this year, and I had I took McDavid, and I made a mistake last year when I had the first overall uh, pick. I took Nikita Kucherov, and rightfully so. The guy well, yeah, had yeah. 130 points the year before, but you can't count on McDavid, man. It's impressive what he's been able to do. It's like he's activating a cheat code. Oh man, in, in a video game, the way he plays and. Um, and that, and that's what makes the sport great. When you can see guys do things that the normal, normal people that play the game can't, uh, that's, that's what, uh, um, allows people to appreciate what, what these guys do at a whole nother level. Uh, yes, absolutely. Carlo. Uh, just a couple more questions here. What, um, you know, we're in, we're in radio, we're in broadcasting now, but you know, you, you see a lot of former pro athletes, um, go from, you know, playing career and then to the broadcast side of things. After you were playing, was there anything that, you know, do you want to take a break? Was there anything else, you know, you were looking to do after, I mean, 2018, you stopped. So really it hasn't been that long ago since you stopped playing uh-huh. um, uh, with, with Mannheim in Germany, you've scored 34 points or in 57 games, pretty damn good. If I don't say so myself, but <laughs> going on the radio, um, you know, TSN was, was that, was that an option you were always thinking about? I know you touched upon a little bit uh, earlier yeah. in the episode, but um, was that just a perfect scene that was set for yourself? Uh, well, I talked about, you know, creating relationships, right. And, uh, one of my closest friends in hockey and in this industry is Jeff O'Neill. 
And I want to get him on the show, by the way, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Actually, I work, funny story. Sorry, funny story. I work at Nike uh, in Vaughn Mills. And he came in before the pandemic and he bought three pairs of the same exact shoes because he loves the shoes and I cashed him out. (laughs) Great (laughs) guy. Great guy. Amazing. Nice. So, yeah, just going back to your question, um, being in the media and doing sports radio was the last thing in the world I ever thought I would do. Um, I was always a guy that respected people that worked in the media. I love talking to all those people because it gives you uh, a different uh, perspective of the game, listening to the things that they're seeing, they're hearing, they're talking about. And it makes you learn a lot more about uh, yourself, your team and, you know, the sport. So um, I always thought that, listen, I said before I wanted to play as long as I could. I thought I could have played to the age 40 because, you know, the older I got, the better my body felt. And that's just because I put a lot more emphasis every year into making sure that I kept up uh, with the pace of the game. But, you know, as as you get older and as you continue to play year after year, you start thinking about um, what you want to do in in your post career, because at some point the door is going to close. And I didn't anticipate it happening this early in my career, but it did. And the reason for it is because I was open minded. Um, I always thought that with everything that I learned throughout my career, that I wanted to stay in the game, uh, mostly as, you know, in the coaching ranks, because uh, I have great pride in teaching young kids and helping them with the knowledge that I've been able to absorb throughout my career. And I love seeing it uh, play itself out. I know in the kids that I've helped in the past with either on the ice or just having chats with them. Um, you know, and then seeing them progress uh, gives you great self-pride. And so those are things that I looked at in that same summer when um, I came back from uh, Germany. Uh, I was doing a lot of uh, skill stuff with Power Edge Pro, uh, the company that has helped develop a player like Connor McDavid and other great players around the league. Um, I knew that was something that I that kept me playing for the last five years of my career because I was doing things that I never thought I could do that was allowing me to be quicker, faster, and uh, better with puck. And so uh, that was something that I wanted to trans, uh, translate to and stuff that I still do on the side. Um, and then, you know, either somewhere in management or in scouting or in player development or in coaching, um, I explored all avenues uh, when this position at TSN came up. So it was funny. I was home for like a day or two and I get a call from Jeff O'Neill and he jokingly asked me if I'm ready to retire yet. And I said, I don't know. I just got home. It's too much to think about right now. I'm just happy that I'm in my own bed living in Eastern time zone again, because now I can watch sports living in European time zone is very tough to keep up. So he goes, all right, well, when you're ready, let's chat because I think, you know, there's, there's something that uh, you might be interested in here at TSN. I was like, okay. So I've always been one of those guys that, you know, like I said, I've open-minded, willing to listen to everything about anything and then, you know, get all the information and then make a decision. So when I start to talk to Jeff, he told me about when he started, how he got in, what he does, how much he likes it and, you know, basically what it could represent for me. And it checked off a lot of good boxes of, you know, and the two things that I wanted to focus on, whatever it was that I did was longevity and stability, something I didn't really have much of later in my career so I went in I met with the people at TSN um, and they you know we had a good chat and they told us or they, they told me about 
certain positions that may be available, things that would be um, um, uh, respect or um, expected from me in each in the in the position. They obviously knew my profile, what I represented, the fact that you know Toronto's mostly a hockey market, and how much people love the game of hockey. It just seemed like a good fit. So I said, okay, you know what? This sounds great. Um, I would love to explore it if you were willing to give me the chance to do it. And they said, yeah, you know, you can do whatever you want. We're willing to work with you. And if it's something you like after a couple of months, we can see where this goes. So they allowed me basically to do a PTO, which is what you would be in hockey, go in, try out and uh, see if you like the job. And I tell you what, all it took was one day because I went in um, I, the thing about me is I've always been a sports nut my whole life. I followed all sports. I watched all sports. I have a good understanding for all sports. So it became a natural for me to talk about all sports, but doing it on an open live mic was, is, which is, is what something that scared the hell out of me because being that freshly removed from the game, you're so used to, um, uh, inheriting locker room talk as they would put it in quotation where reserved <laughs> yeah locker room talk is is fun chatter but you know you're using uh, a curse word oh yeah <laughs> in almost every other word that comes out of your mouth so <laughs> being on a live mic that's not something necessarily that you want to pride yourself in so in the beginning i just tried to keep it simple keep it slow they were really good at helping me out and it, it, once i started to do it more and more i just there just became a, a, a bigger passion to do it and I actually started to see myself doing it for a living you know and the fact that now you know what I have a reason to watch sports I was I was watching sports before because I loved it and it was helping me learn more about each sport but now I'm doing it I have to educate not only myself but the people listening to me about things that are happening so there was too many good things that that uh, surrounded the job or at least the, that the job provided that it really, I really had to sit down and, and make a decision and say, I think it's time because if I don't take this opportunity now, when I'm ready to take it, it might not be there. And so I made that decision and my family was very supportive of the decision, mostly because we had a chance to settle at home for the first time in a long time, and especially with two young kids. It's always, uh, you know, uh, more special to be around family, but it was now it was allowing me to hit the restart button on a new career and a new career. Like if you don't know me, everything that I do, I always put my um, everything I have into it. And I knew once I first started, I had one goal in mind. I didn't all, I didn't only want to do the job and learn everything about the job. I wanted to be the best at it and listening to people, uh, listening to other uh, stations, other podcasts, other shows, communicating with a lot of people within the industry, listening to them talk. It was all about going to school again and listening and learning and understanding how to be great at the job. And I've always listened to sports talk radio my whole life, because again, you want to listen to things that are said about you, your team, you know, and maybe they're your fantasy teams that you're following as well. And the things that always kept me entertained in an interview, or at least uh, kept me um, you know, it tuned into an interview was, was it informal? Was it entertaining? And am I, am I hearing personality? 
um, you know, being shared with a lot of these guys. So those are the things that I tried to focus on. I didn't want to be one of those normal guys that just went in and started to read things like normal people do. I wanted to be different, but different in my own way, where not only did I want people to be uh, informed because they liked what they were listening to, but I wanted them to enjoy themselves because it was entertaining. And that's sort of something that I brought to the show with the crew that I work with that everybody has bought into. And it's had, it's been getting, been getting uh, a great response within the city. There's a lot of people that are, that have been really complimental on, on the job for me and, and the show. And it really, it really makes you feel good when people are reaching out to you on social media or even just finding a way to get a hold of you and saying, you've made my mornings, you know, I really love listening to you. You know, the mornings suck before, but they're way better now because I get to enjoy it listening to you guys either talk or rant or just talk, have, have, have fun, which is what we try to do every day. Cause we're on the air for four hours. It can seem like a long time, but the more fun you're having during those four hours, um, you know, creates a better experience for everyone. So I've been doing it for three years now, and uh, I can't say that uh, each year has been better than, than the last one. I mean, this past year was really challenging uh, doing a sports talk radio show with no sports. Uh, sometimes you get into some tough conversations, uh, but we found a way. We found a way to grind it out. We found a way to focus on different things that would give people an escape from what's going on in the real world. And now the sports is back. I couldn't be happier. I mean, I'm really thankful for the NFL, what they were able to accomplish. NFL is my favorite sport to watch, favorite sport to cover, even though I'm a hockey player. Um, I'm obsessed with it. Uh, but obviously my passion for hockey will never go uh, unnoticed either. So uh, what better what better thing to do? I mean, it's the next closest thing from being involved in the game where we get to talk to the people that are heavily involved in the game and learn, learn the game from a different perspective. And it's something that I've, that I've really, really enjoyed and really, really great, grateful and thankful for. Well, thanks for the perfect segue because I was just going to get to, you know, you're obsessed with the NFL. You're obsessed not only with the NFL, but you're obsessed with the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> they, had a, they had a pretty damn good playoff run. Oh man. Obviously. It was a great year. Absolutely. And I, I support my Toronto teams. I mean, I'm diehard Leafs, Raps, TFC, and then one of my biggest is Inter Milan in Serie A nice. um, soccer, if people don't know. But, you know, those are my teams. But you, I feel like, you know, for you and the Buffalo Bills, you just you just take it to the next level. You had the wings on deck. You had the family watching. You had the gear going. That's just like me with my Leafs and Raps. Um, but, you know, how, how, how you know, uh, great uh, was it a season for you to watch the Buffalo Bills and what do you expect uh, next season? Because I would be remiss to, to not ask a, a dire fan like yourself. You know what, Nicholas, it's, it's crazy how this year happened because I've always quietly been a Bills fan because they're over the last 20 years, there hasn't yeah. been much to celebrate with. Hey, this I'm, a Cowboys fan. With this I'm a Dallas team. Cowboys fan. So. <laughs> I'm, I have pain every year. No. So it's unfortunate that they that they did it in a year where they couldn't do it in front of their fans, which everybody knows is considered the Bills Mafia. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know when I played in Buffalo for the Sabres, one of the things that um, uh, recruited me there was the fact that I was going to be, you know, closer to the Buffalo Bills, get to meet the people in the organization. Obviously, the Pagulas own both teams there. Um, and where I lived, I lived on the south end of the city, and most players lived on the north end of the city. And part of the reason I did that was we found a really nice house in the area. And part of the reason why most guys didn't is because that area would get hit hardest in the winter. But I was two blocks from the from the from the Bills Stadium, 
Um, unfortunately, it's crazy to think I never went to any home games because to me, Sundays, it's about having multiple TVs going, my laptop going with my fantasy teams, the red zone channel, and nothing beats it. And you know, you, you muck on as much food as you possibly can. But the crazy thing was, was I was so close to the stadium that when Bills would play at home, I would just open up my screen door and I would I would have the game on the TV, but I'd listen to the announcer on on the on the PA system because that's how close I was, and that's how 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 far the the noise traveled in that stadium. So um, I lived in a neighborhood. Two of my neighbors were Buffalo Bills guys, and uh, there was five other guys that lived in the neighborhood. So I got to meet some of the players and stuff, and uh, those are those are always fun things to to reminisce on. But the year they had this year, you know, on the, from, from the side, I've, I've like, like you said, I've always been an NFL fan, but I really got to show my passion for the Bills this year because it was something to be celebrated. They were one of the best teams in the NFL, uh, one of the most exciting teams in the NFL with one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the game this year and potentially in the future with Josh Allen. So um, it was an amazing ride. It really allowed me to, uh, especially being at home and with all this COVID stuff going on where you couldn't be at the games, uh, give people a reason, other ways to celebrate the team. And it's amazing. Once I started posting some of the things that connected me with the team, the amount of people that would reach out to me and say, oh, my God, I've been a Bills fan my whole life. This is awesome. And that's what I really tried to accomplish in all this is just reinvigorate the Toronto fan base that has cheered for the bills all these years. I mean, remember those years where they bills tried to adopt them as one of their home teams, but again, they didn't have a good team to really help solidify that. Well, as sad as it was to see them end the way they did, I, I thought they, I thought they had a really good chance to beat KC. I think if they would have played their a game, they definitely would have beaten them. But I think that because they played the season all year with no fans in the stands, and yes, they played their first two games at home and that's positive energy to bring with you. I think the moment being an Arrowhead with 20,000 fans in the stands caught up to this team because you can see the way it affected Josh Allen in the way he played because he didn't play like that all year. Um, and, you know, it's it's the moment of being there for the first time in, in the AFC championship game. And, you know, you look at what Patrick Mahomes has been able to accomplish. The first time he got there, he lost in overtime to Tom Brady who eventually went on to win the Super Bowl and then he's now he's there the next two years so that's something to be very hopeful for this team I think in the NFL more than ever you have to have a good quarterback to have any type of success I think for the Bills not only do they have a good one they have a great one that can really give this organization sustained success for the next decade if they really uh, focus on adding the right pieces year after year and really give us promise that they'll make another trip to the Super Bowl. I was hoping it was going to be this year, but uh, if it's not this year, hopefully they can find that same momentum that they built on this year for next season. I know you're going to disagree with me, but is it possible that sometimes they have, you know, one team in any sport could have such a good year and they call it a, you know, one hit wonder type of season or, or, or because I mean, look at the Cowboys, right? You know, they have yeah. Prescott. They're looking not great, but still a, a, a potential playoff team. Prescott yeah. goes down, then Dalton goes down. And then it's just a, a whole disaster in the Cowboys organization. Yeah. Or the well, Bills. I, I think that the Cowboys, it's it's a bad example because they're the most overhyped team every season. I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's not a shot at you. It's just, it's, oh, I think, it's reality. 
Um, and I think where the Cowboys sort of ran into their problems was that um, a lot of guys that they depend on being stars got paid. And, you know, sometimes that could, that, that could, you know, work against you. Um, I think the, the issues with the Cowboys have not been their offense. It's been their, their defense for the most part, especially this year and in years past. Um, but I, I, I can't say that I feel that way about the bills because one, it's the first year of, of a young team having success. Yeah. They'll have guys that are going to go out there motivated and hungry. And on defense, they're going to have a lot of those players back next year. And on a defense that, that, you know, obviously was one of the best in the league this year when everybody was healthy um, and a chance to improve on that as well. I think most importantly too, you look at the quarterback position. I, I don't believe this is going to be a one-year hit wonder with Josh Allen, just because it's his third season in the league. And this is the year everybody expected him to decline. And instead he, you know, if Aaron Rodgers didn't have the year he had, I think he'd be the leading candidate for MVP this year, regardless of what Patrick Mahomes was able to do. Um, but uh, there's so much, there's so many good pieces around this group to like. And I think most importantly, it's the division they play in. Uh, New England is not formidable anymore. The Jets are still looking for their quarterback. Yes, Miami, Miami looks improved, but there's still a lot of question marks around their quarterback. Uh, unless any of those teams makes a drastic change at quarterback and goes out and gets a Tom Brady, you got to like the Bills' chances coming out of that division, not only next year, but for many years, because quarterbacks win you win you games and win you championships and i think uh, josh allen is can be that guy all right carlo super bowl kansas city tampa bay buccaneers i almost said the new england patriots because brady's there who <laughs> is winning no analysis just say the name yeah <laughs> I, i'm gonna go with the tampa bay buccaneers because i just that officially I, make brady the goat if he wins or is he already the goat Oh, he's already the GOAT. I mean, there's there's no question about it. I mean, when you play 20 years in the league and you can go to the Super Bowl 10 times. But isn't think, it more impressive, Carlo, to leave your team that you've been oh with yeah. forever, then go oh yeah. to a team, not really major superstars. You bring Gronk, you bring a couple other guys, but nothing crazy, crazy. Yeah. And you go back to the to, to the chip. Like you go I back. I think to that's, the that's the most impressive feat out of his whole career. I mean, minus the six Super Bowls he was able to win. The fact he was able to do what he did this year, walk away from an organization he only knew for his whole life yeah. into an organization that has never had any playoff success. Actually, I shouldn't say never because they did win a Super Bowl. But for the last 10 years, they weren't even a playoff team. Well, just he walks in there, totally changes that franchise and leads them to a Super Bowl appearance through teams like New Orleans, through teams like Green Bay. Crazy. Um, it's, it's absolutely insane what he's been able to accomplish. I think I don't think there's anybody in the world other than a LeBron James that could probably do that. I mean, LeBron, you know, in his first season with Miami, didn't win a championship. In his first season with the LA Lakers, weren't even a playoff team. So it takes time for to, 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 um, to put a team like that together. And obviously they did it in quick fashion. And, you know, you just look at Tom Brady, regardless of how old he is, he just knows how to play the game. He knows how to act and feel in those big moments. And I think the reason why I'm picking the Bucks here is because not saying that Kansas City isn't the superior team. I truly do believe they are. And there's no question that they could easily win that game as well. I think for the first time in the NFL, you're seeing the host team uh, playing it and they're actually going to be home fans in a year where 
the paid stadium is not going to be packed. Uh, so that might play an advantage knowing that, uh, you know, being on the road, it would be for instead of a neutral site uh, where you would normally have the Super Bowl. And, you know, Tom Brady, you know, he, as good as he's been with six Super Bowls, wants that seventh one. And how can you, like, he's in 10 Super Bowls that he's played and he's won six, or sorry, nine Super Bowls that he's played and he's won six and lost three. The three that he's lost, he's lost by less than, than three points in, in all three. So, yeah. You know, so you, you can't count him out, even though KC looks superior. I think everybody's looking at Brady versus Mahomes. I think the defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is superior as well. Um, and who's kidding who? Anytime you have to lay a wager down, never bet against Tom Brady. So <laughs> that's for sure. And, and it just it just makes me wonder, like, like we're talking, and, and you could say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl. Like, no offense to Tampa Bay. The Bucs haven't had that saying in a very, nothing, very nothing. long time. It almost yeah. be like the Toronto Maple Leafs from the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> you know what I mean, even though I've loved him so much. It, it's just what he's done for the game. It's amazing. Um, listen, Carlo, I, I appreciate you coming on. My I know, pleasure, man. Uh, we, 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 chatted, we chatted for a bit now. I know you finished your uh, your show, and I know the family's probably waiting for you, uh, probably to come back upstairs. But uh, listen, yeah. I, I, I do appreciate it. I, you know, I messaged you, and you, you, know, you were willing to, willing to talk, willing to hop on. A lot of former NHLers, a lot of former pro athletes, don't give a guy like myself a chance who went to school for broadcasting and want to continue to go up the ranks and work at maybe TSN one day or Sportsnet mm. or any of any of the of the big stations uh, yeah. your radio. So honestly, I, I appreciate it very much. No problem, man. Good luck with everything. Thanks for having me on and uh, continued success for you, man. Absolutely, absolutely, everyone. That was Carlo Kuliakovo, former NHLer and co-host of First Up on TSN 1050 Radio and Hockey TV analyst. This was episode number 31 of Mamma Mia. This is Fire Talk. I'm Nicholas Fiore. Stay tuned for more episodes and more Instagram lives coming up. Everyone, stay safe out there and Mamma Mia. Ciao. Now Davis takes it and looks to come the other way. Davis is in, trying to drive, and he will look to go across. Good play to Davis, though, to get it right back to him. He goes down low to Israel's. Centering, it's there. Score! Stevie, Stevie, Stevie! Stephen Weddle scores his first OJHL playoff goal for the Oakville Blades. This game is opening up in a big way for both teams. Ricketts centering. What a pass. Israel's breakaway. The move. Scores! What a goal for the Alaska Fairbanks commit. The assistant captain, Harrison Israel's, with an absolute dandy. Download Alliance. Jack Lyons centering. Scores! The double jacks combined as the, that puck popped up like a jack in a box. And it's Jack Ricketts from Jack Lyons. 6 1 on the 40th shot of the game. It's all over. Well, Smith hits it in. A chance here can develop, but the Blades will look to take it. And, is, and Ricketts finds Israel's. Breakaway Israel's. A chance backhand. Rebound. That was Mamma Mia! This is Fire Talk with Nicholas Fiore. Thank you for watching and stay tuned for the next episode.